Many have reported seeing a hearse led by horses pulling up behind the building to drop off coffins for the deceased patients. Legends talk about a man in a white coat walking through the kitchen. His boots can be heard through the corridors, and he walks with a certain level of confidence that catches the eye of visitors. He's a doctor, and he used to treat patients of the Waverly Hill Sanatorium. Despite the debris and the mold that permeate the air, visitors can smell the fresh-baked bread that appears out of nowhere. Multiple visitors report the rich smells of cooked foods when they are near the kitchen. But one look inside, and it's clear these smells are nothing but a distant memory. The kitchen is a disaster. There are smashed windows, chairs knocked over, broken tables, fallen plaster, and puddles of water from an unfixed leak in the roof. The place is abandoned by the living, but still home to countless patients who never left. Welcome back to Icker and Ink, where we dredge the depths of the horrific and hilarious in all their gore and glory. I am, as always, Chelsea. I'm Micah. Today, we take a stroll through one of the most haunted mental asylums in all the world. If you've heard about the story, let us know in the comments. If you learned something new, let us know that too. That's what we're here for. That's what we're all about. Sit back, relax, hit thumbs up. We're just two nerdy authors who love telling stories, and this is Icker and Ink. I don't know, man. I got energy today. I don't know what's up. I felt that deep into my veins. I felt that. I just want you to know that. It's uh, something, you know, something powerful about uh, waking up in the morning, drinking some, drinking some Folgers, and uh, and getting getting cracking on some haunted tales, mm -hmm. man. Mm -hmm. I love it. Mm -hmm. I freaking love it. Oh, more snow, and I am devastated, Micah. Devastated. More. Okay. Well, okay. So that sucks twofold. Number one, it sucks because you're getting snow, and I'm sick of snow, and I'm sure you're sick of snow. But the second reason is you are to the west of us and uh -huh. everything, everything blows west to east. So we will probably be getting what you're about to get a few days after you. So that sucks. Yeah. Uh, Thanks for ruining my week. Yeah. You're appreciate welcome, that. Micah. That's what I'm here for. Yeah. I love the weather forecast, which I think we can all relate to. The uh, forecast right now is two to 18 inches. So oh, shut up. Two to 18 <laughs> yeah. inches. Are you serious? That's what they forecast. I How am can they serious. do that? Oh my gosh. Bundle up or break out the bathing suit. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so I stupid. Know. That's I know. dumb. I, I'm done with winter this year. Yeah. 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 It was, we got a pr couple pretty heavy snows. We got, got a couple really, mm -hmm. really cold freezes. And yeah, I'm over it. I'm ready. I hate spring. I hate summer. I'm ready for fall. Just bring on really? fall. Let's, let's skip spring and summer. Let's just go straight to fall. Interesting. I love, you know, I love late spring and the summertime. I don't like the heat, but I love, love, love the lush greens, the the yeah. rivers, the lakes, yeah. the hiking. No, you, you know, yeah. you are 100% right. I love the idea of spring and summer. I love it. Yeah. I love it. But when the heat comes in 
and the skeeters and you know all the all the ticks and the mites and mm. all that crap you know I, I just hate that crap you know i hate it but yeah. most of all most of all i hate the heat can't stop. yeah i and i don't know how hot does it get there for you it gets so you've got to think that we are we are in the like the butthole of the united states right in the right in the middle there Beautiful. right in the, right right in the swampy taint of the united states and uh so it's so it's always humid and we'll get up to we'll get up to nineties pushing a hundred. Oh my god! With the humidity, with the humidity, yeah, that's, yeah, and that's, that's what brutal. makes it suck so bad. Yeah, uh huh, that's yeah. brutal. Yeah, that's when that's I... what makes it so hard. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Uh, apologies from Icker and Ink if I offended anyone with uh, discussing sweaty, humid taints. Um, <laughs> it just kind of dawned on me that you know this is this is a kids show, so I, uh, I apologize for that. <laughs> if you're ready, okay. I'm ready, dude. I'm freaking ready. Let's uh, let's jam, bro. That's I got uh, I got a date with my homie. We're gonna go eat some Chinese. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm ready to rock, and then then go then go eat some eat some rad Chinese buffet with his Norway buddy who yeah, flew out right. into the states, which is really awesome. Just to just to see me, just to see me. That's he so sweet. That's no, kind of romantic, really. Micah. I mean, it, it, we do have a bromance, but uh, he actually came because there was a death in his family. Uh, but oh, in shit. my in my mind, in my mind, I'm gonna poo poo all that and just think that he came just for me. So, oh my god, <laughs> yeah, yeah, morbid twist of events at Icker and Ink here. It's uh, it's my truth, no one can take it away from me. Nobody can, nope, that's right. In the 1800s and early 1900s, America was ravaged by what many would then refer to as the White Death. This was tuberculosis, and it was ruthless. Entire towns would be wiped clean, families destroyed, and there was no telling who was next. The incurable plague that swept through the world thrived in humid environments with little airflow. In America, it would be Louisville, Kentucky that would see some of the highest death rates of the nation. The swampland was a perfect feeding ground for the disease, which would go on to claim reportedly thousands of lives in this area alone. In 1924, after donations and a failed hospital that was built in 1910, another was built. It was Waverly Hills, and this hospital was considered the most advanced sanatorium for tuberculosis when it opened its doors in 1926. However, this was not a cure, and many patients that checked in never checked out. At the time, there was no medicine, so the treatment was fresh air, nutritious foods, and lots of rest. While many considered the sanatorium as a possible cure, it was not. It was built to isolate. Families were driven apart and refused contact with their loved ones who had been checked in. The facility had been built to keep the public safe, even if that meant tearing children away from loving parents. While some treatments are now considered common in modern medicines, others were not. We may be familiar with the use of ultraviolet light. This was used on patients' lungs to help slow the spread of bacteria. Although, at the time, this was only an experiment and not accepted in medicine. With the belief that fresh air was a possible cure, patients would be placed during any season in a chair. Photos of these can be found, with some patients literally covered in snow. Treatments did not stop with fresh air, and it would later be confirmed that Waverly Hills practiced unethical experiments. Some of these were just as dangerous as the disease itself. One reported experiment was the implant of a balloon inside the patient's lungs. 
This balloon would be filled with air to expand the lungs to help patients breathe. Another experiment was taking these patients and putting them under the knife. Ribs and muscles were removed to give the lungs more space to expand with the belief this would allow more oxygen in. This last resort surgery often left more dead than alive. While there were some patients who did eventually check out from Waverly Hills, many left through what was nicknamed the body chute. This was an enclosed tunnel for the dead that led from the hospital to the railroad that was at the base of the hill. Bodies were lowered in secret inside waiting trains using motorized cables. This was done to keep it a secret from the still living patients because it was believed that if they knew how many were actually dying, it would ruin their mental health. Doctors believed that mental health was just as important as the physical. If you research the Waverly Hills Sanatorium, you will find a lot of inaccurate reports about how many people actually died there. Some claim that the numbers were as high as 63,000, while others repeatedly insist that it was 50,000. Not that much of a difference to me. Truth is, it was never that high. Death certificates provide a more accurate belief that it was approximately 6,000 patients who would never check out. Interestingly enough, it would be reported that the highest death rate at Waverly Hills would be 152 patients in a single year, although by 1955, those numbers would drop to as little as 42. This would also be because in 1943, new advanced medicine would have eradicated the majority of tuberculosis cases in the United States. It should be noted that Waverly Hills closed its doors in 1961, but that a new sanatorium would open in its place. The Woodhaven Geriatrics Sanatorium, which would go on to practice horrible experiments on patients. Electroshock therapy was one of these, which was used on a variety of ailments. Along with mistreatment and abuse, the sanatorium would face severe budget cuts between the 1960s and 1970s, which would create terrible living conditions. This sanatorium was closed down for good in 1982. With a disastrous and tragic history, it's no wonder this place is considered one of the most haunted sanatoriums in the world. In 2001, the abandoned hospital, which had been through another owner and given up on, gained a reputation for its paranormal residence. It's said that a little girl runs up and down the third floor, but she is not the only resident. A boy runs about holding a leather ball, looking for someone to play catch with him. Many have reported seeing a hearse led by horses pulling up behind the building to drop off coffins for the deceased patients. There have also been sightings of a woman clutching her bleeding wrists and screaming for help. Doors have been heard and even seen shutting on their own, while orbs of light have been caught on footage. Some have even seen lights from high up windows, as if the power is still on and a patient is in the room. In other instances, footsteps can be heard amongst the many halls and other more sinister noises have also been reported. One of the most controversial legends of the abandoned hospital is the fifth floor. Here you will find the remnants of two nurses stations, a linen room, a pantry, a medicine room, and two other medium-sized rooms. Room 502 happens to be the heart of a lot of paranormal activity, including the sight of watching someone jump to their death. One of the biggest misconceptions is that this floor was reportedly for the mentally ill tuberculosis patients. This was not the case. This floor had all the amenities as the others and still offered patients the ability to have fresh air and move about. Unfortunately, this was not the issue. The issue was room 502. 
Many reports state that there is an eeriness about this room that permeates the entire floor. It is dark and clings to those who would come and visit. This is because the room itself has housed two particularly tragic deaths. In 1928, a nurse hung herself from one of the light fixtures. She had been 29 and fallen pregnant outside of marriage. She was so depressed that she took her own life, with no real information about how long she had been hanging there before being discovered. She would not be the only nurse to die by the hands of this room. In 1932, a nurse would fall to her death from the window in room 502. The dark rumor surrounding her untimely death is that she was pushed, although there are no records indicating this. Regardless of rumor, room 502 is a hotspot of paranormal activity for visitors. I must say, I got chills with the mention of the little boy that runs yeah. around looking for people to play catch with. Yeah, uh, that made me sad. That's uh, tragic. That, uh, yeah, that was... that that. Could have brought a tear to my eye. That was uh, that was sad. I, I got you get kind of a mental picture when you when you read stuff like that. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So just a lot of tragic spirits that are stuck here. Um, yeah, and it's crazy. I wonder, depending on your mindset, your energy when you walk in, what you do experience. Right. Yeah. Right. I'm going to share a firsthand encounter from the author of American Hauntings, Waverly Hill. Their experience takes place in 2012 on a dark and stormy night. Boo. That was for you, Micah. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> if there's any writers in the audience, you understand the cliche yes. of starting any horror story with that phrase. Any story in general, really. Yeah, yeah. Just, just leave that yeah. leave that at the doorstep. Yeah. But I truly love it. And the author did use it. So That's I have great. to use it. That's great. <laughs> Our writer, who we'll call John for this story has visited places all over the country. When he arrived at Waverly Hill, he wasn't expecting much. After all, he'd seen places that were supposed to be terrifying and not experienced a thing. John and his friend explored the building with the owners, even going all the way up to the fifth floor with the infamous room 502. However, it would be the fourth floor that would be explored last. It was the only floor in the building that was intentionally kept locked although why is never said, but it's thought to be for safety reasons. When John reached the door with his friend, he was overcome by a distinct, strange feeling. In John's words, there was a tangible presence in the air that I had not felt anywhere else. Shadows paced back and forth in corridors. A distinct sound of several doors slamming could be heard and verified by everyone. And when they continued to walk, a silhouette of a man walked across the hall in front of them before disappearing into the wall. He was dressed in a doctor's coat. It startled John so much that he was certain to prove they were not the only ones there, despite what the owners and friends said. The building has a rich and tragic history, and regardless of what you believe, it has a terrifying presence about it. From closed down rooms to moldy walls, this is one place that no matter what time of year you go, you are certain to see at least one of the patients of Waverly Hills Sanatorium. Okay, so yeah, I wonder why John will say experienced more negative activity, paranormal activity on the fourth floor instead right. of on the fifth floor. That uh -huh. that is interesting to me. Although really, with what you had written or what you had researched previously, it's not really the whole fifth floor that mm -hmm. was haunted or, you know, emitting this darkness, but it was, it was specifically room 502. 
Yeah. So I guess I guess that just made me think about the fifth floor as being the most haunted or the yeah. most occupied by this by this presence. But really, it sounds like the fourth floor was was more the the mecca of this uh, of this presence. Yeah, and I don't want to uh, I don't want to speak for John here, but I feel like if you are somebody that has gone to multiple haunted locations, yeah, I think you begin to perceive differently your environment and perhaps you're a little bit more calloused or desensitized even there you go. to yeah, the sure. energy that's yeah. around you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he may have been walking all around the hospital, totally fine, but so desensitized and almost detached and not yeah. in a bad way. It's nothing right, against right. him. Sure. It's just, you know, you watch enough horror movies, you start getting used to what's right. expected, the gory scenes, all of that. It's the yeah. same thing I think with paranormal hauntings. Yeah. Uh, and so I think for him, he had to have a pretty significant energy increase with whatever presence was trying to interact with him in yeah. order to have his attention. And I, I think I can, the fourth floor did that. I could dig that. I like that. Thank you, Chelsea. That You're was a, welcome. That was a great explanation. I really yeah. appreciate that. I feel like if any of us went in there having, you know, minimal paranormal experiences, I guess yeah. I wouldn't say mine's minimal, yeah. but I'm a little more like hyperactive, sensitive to it. And I'm not like, if something moves, I'm probably going to stare at it for the next yeah. 10 minutes. Yeah. But I would be very, very, I'd be very curious to see how my reactions, our reactions would be going into a room like 502. Yeah, I would too. Knowing, I really would. Yeah. I think you've got, I think you've got some really good, really good points there. Like somebody like me, who's had no experiences. Right. You know, I, I'd probably light up like a Christmas tree, you know? Oh yeah. You'd yeah. be everything you'd have your attention on. And so all that yeah. energy, you'd be waiting for something to happen. Right. And right. they would, and paranormal theorists, theorist, they would say that the spirits would feed off that, that energy. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I like so, that. Yeah. yeah. I, hey, I, I the more know. you know. The more you know. Knowledge is power, Micah. That's right. Knowledge That's is right. power. Knowledge is power, and so is Folgers. Well, that does it for this chapter of Icker and Ink. I'm going to wrap this up before Chelsea has time to rebut. I hope you enjoyed <laughs> it. Please remember to hit that thumbs up button and subscribe to the channel. If you want more content like this, hit the bell to be notified when new content drops, which is at least twice a week. Do you have a suggestion or a creepy story for us to share? Email us at ickerinkpodcast at gmail.com. And remember to tell us if you want your name mentioned or if you would like to remain anonymous. Shout out to our girl, Michelle. Piper underscore writes on Instagram. She is one of us and you could be too. Merch is a thing. Patreon is a thing. We truly thank you for joining us each and every episode. Please like and subscribe. Leave a review. Reviews help bring in more cult members. Until next time, I have been Micah. I've been Chelsea. Together, we have been Icker and Ink, and you have been a beautiful audience. Good night. Good night.